Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hello, it's Dan, your host. I'm excited to be here with you today. It is Wednesday, March 16th, 2022, as I record this. And as you are aware, you may have seen, I had a little bit of a break last week from the podcast. Uh, There were just a number of things that that came up. We ended up going on a little trip to Utah, um, which prevented me from buckling down and and making a podcast episode um so sorry about that last week sometimes that happens but i'm excited to be here with you again today this one coincidentally is going out a tad bit late but i think we'll be back on track starting next week so um some exciting things uh, are happening at the Kenner Homestead, as well as in my publishing and author business. So let's go ahead and just dive right in and talk about some of those things. Uh, before we get into that, um, with in this episode, later in this episode, uh, I chat with Brittany Oldroyd about persevering through the challenges of publishing, which is something that is so important, especially for indie authors. Um, Because if you're like me, you run into challenges. I know I have run into a number of challenges, and they just keep coming up um, with my own authoring and knowing how to push through those, persevere through those is something that is so key and important. So she's got some really cool insights with her own publishing, which we'll get into a bit later in the episode. But first, um, because I'm so, so excited about this, I finished the first draft of Ascended, which I'm so thrilled about. This book, I think, turned out amazing. I'm really happy with it. Um, Although it is pretty rough, that's often the case with the first draft. I will be going through and editing, and I'm taking a little bit of a break from the story. Uh, I'm going to come back with a fresh perspective and a fresh mind in a couple weeks and start hitting the editing on that. Which, but I'm really excited about it. I think the story wrapped up very well. Um, I actually left it open for a sister series, um, similar story, although kind of 50 years later type story. Will I write it anytime soon? Who knows? I mean, I'm a casual author. I, I don't know that I'll get to it very quickly, but at least I left it open. I don't think the story is quite done. So we'll leave it at that. But Ascendant's finished. Um, I intended on the story to be about 155 to 165,000 words. It ended up being 189. So will it stay that way? Who knows? Um, I'm not disappointed that it ended up longer. There were just a lot of things that I had to wrap up. Character development. I just wanted to do it right. And I think it was important for it to be done that way. Although I may cut some things out. We'll see. 
I think the story ultimately flows very well. Um, and as I was discussing uh, with someone the other day, I actually really prefer the the words that I wrote, the recaptured 30,000 words um, the second time I wrote them. So kind of blessing in disguise, losing those 30,000 words. But glad it's done. Um, now the plan is to finish a novella that I will make my freebie. Um, it's actually kind of an the unwritten story of one of the not even a side character, just a character that's mentioned in the Lightbearer Chronicles, kind of important to the protagonist, the main protagonist and antagonist you find out in this novella. So I mean, I'm hoping to target about 25-ish thousand words. I've written about 9,000 words so far. So as long as I can get that novella out, I'll cover it and then I will offer that for free uh, to, to kind of gather people into my email list, which is the hope. And anyway, really excited about this. It's been really fun to kind of write this unwritten story, this hidden story, and it is intended to be a prequel to hopefully capture people's interest in the Lightbearer Chronicles universe. So that's the next project, which is really fun. I've never written a novella before. Admittedly, I'm a little bit nervous about containing that, as you've heard already with the Lightbearer Chronicles Ascended. Um... It ended up longer than it was supposed to. So let's hope that I could keep it to 25,000 words or at least around there. We'll see. I'm not going to hold myself to it, but uh, we're going to do the best we can. In Homestead news, we'll take a little bit of a, a 360 there. We are preparing even more for the kidding of the goats. Beginning of April is the time that some of our first goats are due. Um, our cat should be having kittens in the next like week, which is something we've never done before. I, from what I understand, it's kind of uh, they just do it on their own, no assistance, and that, that's great. Although... Uh, there's not like a dedicated place for it. So we fear that she's, <laughs> I think she might actually have the kittens in the goat house, which wouldn't be like terrible because the goats wouldn't attack the kittens. They would just probably run away. But there, there is a possibility that, that they would get trampled. So we're trying to prevent that from happening. So we can't make the cat have the babies where she does. But we're trying to create more comfortable environments out in the, the shop, the barn, so that hopefully she'll decide to have the kittens there. We'll see what happens, but perhaps soon you'll be hearing me talk about how many kittens we have now. Um, but we, we started training the goats. That's what we've been doing in the past week because three of the goats have already been milked before. They've had babies, they've had kids, they've been milked before, but they kind of get out of practice. Goats are really smart, but if you haven't milked them for months, they just kind of fall back into this new routine and they forget what they're supposed to do. So we're going through the training process. Those three are handling it relatively well, but there are two other goats who have never been bred. They are now pregnant and will be having babies. It's, it's kind of a rocky road because goats are just not very responsive at least ours aren't they're friendly they're a little skittish though because we uh it's called dam raising we we just let them we didn't bottle feed them they just ate off of their mother's udder so obviously they're not scared of humans they're just a little bit more skittish when you bottle feed goats they're like in your face all the time they want to be your friend uh which is great it gets a little annoying, but because they were dam raised, uh, it's a little bit tricky to coax them into where they need to go to feed, eat their feed and, and get prepared to milk. We haven't got them up on the milking stand yet. 
should be interesting when we actually do that. Right now, we're just training them to go to a specific feeder that we've screwed into the wall. There's five of them, so all five of them can eat at the same time with the intent that hopefully we'll be able to just open the gate. All five of them will funnel out. They'll go to their respective feeder once they're used to where they go. Um, We'll just latch them up so if they get bored, they don't wander off. And then one by one, we'll milk them. All the other ones just eat a snack of green with molasses, which is actually something they really like. In any case, that's we. our mind is on training goats, and I need to figure out the best way to monitor goats long distance because they're out of Wi-Fi range, um, but we have to figure out how to monitor them with a camera or satellite camera or something. So that is what I'm spending my time doing when I'm not writing and working. All the fun things with the homestead. It's warming up, though, so it's becoming way more pleasant to go outside. The ice is melted for the most part. I think there's actually going to be ice in some of the shaded places forever. But for the most part, um, the ice is melting, which is great. I love the warmer weather. The days are are a little bit longer, um, which is just kind of nice. As the the days stretch on and on, I appreciate the light extending into the morning and evening at the same time. So looking forward to more light. I love light. Um, In any case, that's kind of it for for the publishing news. and the the homestead news something that's interesting that you might want to look into is a podcast by joanna penn so the creative pen podcast for writers by joanna penn Uh, she had a discussion last week with dan holloway about improving your creativity super insightful conversation i would recommend listening to it especially if you feel like you're in a little bit of a creativity slump i would recommend listening to that it was very very helpful and i'm really excited to look at some of his advice and exercise my creative muscles um, and get into that more so Definitely take a look at that if you have the chance to. All right, we will go ahead and shift over to the interview portion of this podcast. Brittany Oldroyd is an independent author of fantasy and sci-fi books. Hey, how are you doing tonight, Brittany? Good, good. Did you have a good day so far? Yeah, just... uh dealing with the snow (laughs) oh right where did that come from I mean it was so warm and all of a sudden snow um (laughs) you are a native of Idaho as well as me uh you actually live pretty close to me from what I understand correct yeah yep that is awesome um well I hope the snow doesn't stick let's hope that it all just disappears and I think it probably (laughs) will it's been so warm that it'll probably melt uh, I am so excited to have you today. I love meeting new authors. Uh, we have actually had a chance to meet in person, which I always appreciate since yes. you live so close. Um, but uh, I just want to hear a little, tell us about you and about your books, um, just the genres. And I'd love to understand how long have you been in the the publishing and writing business? So I have actually been writing since I was 15. So about oh, okay. 14 years now. <laughs> Um, and publishing for about nine years now. I, uh, love fantasy the most, but I have actually been dabbling a lot more in sci-fi lately too. So I write both, but young adult, new adult kind of in both. That is, so I really like that. I, I, I write in multiple genres myself and, you know, I think it's great that we can choose that. I guess we Mm -hmm. should clarify. Are you an independent author? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, 
I think it's great that we can choose that. But why why fantasy and sci-fi? Is that what you like to read? So that's what yes. you like to write? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, my dad, I grew up with my dad reading me The Hobbit every night. So I've had a fantasy okay. love for my whole life. So, and I don't know, I just, sci-fi, I don't like like the really in-depth, really science-y kind of sci-fi. But I like like, you know, aliens or superheroes or, you know, those kinds of topics. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get that. Uh, the one sci-fi book that I wrote, Sunfire, is isn't admittedly sciency, very sciency. So mm-hmm. I, I understand exactly the genre <laughs> that you're you're talking about. Uh, I'm genuinely curious. When you started writing, when you were 15, mm-hmm. what you started writing at that age is that what you ended up publishing someday, or do you just have like unfinished drafts? Or uh, well, I have one of the ones that I started when I was 15 was published uh has since had some issues is no longer published um i do have another one that i'm actually hoping to publish like may-ish that i've been working on since then too so okay that is really cool i mean i'm not even sure that i feel confident publishing anything that i wrote at 15 i didn't start (laughs) writing at 15 but if i did i'd probably be like no i'm not messing with this (laughs) so are you finding it's challenging to to pick up your 15 year old writing it's drafts i mean it's definitely way different i mean when i the book that i'm about to publish when i started it was like a contemporary fairy tale retelling and now it's like high fantasy there was like an art thief before now there's a pirate like it's completely different that is really cool though that I'm just, it's amazing that you overhaul, it sounds like you overhauled it at least yeah. uh, and made use of this like framework and turned it into something I would admit it's probably better, right? I mean, yes. you've had some oh, yeah. experience. Okay. Everyone learns as they write, right? Yes, we exactly. really all get better <laughs> with each book. Uh, but I just want to take a step back and, and talk about something that you just mentioned kind of in passing um, yes. about your your book being unpublished or no longer published. It yes. sounds like there's a story there. There is. I have uh, quite the tale with that book. Um, so that book I published when I was 19. It was I didn't realize at the time, but it was a vanity press. Mm. So, you know, we paid them a bunch of money and they published it. And then. Oh, a couple of years later, they went under for embezzlement. Oh, so gosh. the, I mean, it's, there are like hundreds of other authors are in the same boat with this publisher, but uh, so yeah, it's been completely removed from Amazon minus like one or two copies that are used. They're, but, they're just hanging out there. Yep. Long living. <laughs> so I think this is, when we first talked, you mentioned like, you're really passionate about, um, authors persevering and, and keeping going through the challenging times. I, I just want to know how hard was it after this happened when that company went under? You know, it was, I mean, it was a shock. Cause I like, they, no one informed me. Like I was about to go on their site to like send an email or something. Uh-huh. And then suddenly everything's down. I started looking at articles and I was like, Oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> But uh, so it was a shock. And then after a while, it kind of was just like, well, I was kind of contemplating starting to look into indie publishing. Maybe it's a good time for that. So, I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like I, I guess it was well timing as far as everything went down. 
And it's crazy. They didn't even like email you or, or let you know that like, oh, like we have to take your book down or company's going under. No. They didn't even notify you. <laughs> no, I had wow. no idea. <laughs> so did, did you have contact with any of these other authors? Like, were you um, in communication with each other? Did you like collaborate? And like, I don't what happened? Did, did you are your books down too? Yeah. So no, I don't have too. I didn't know too many other authors with this group personally. Um, just cause like not the same genre or anything. I had one friend who actually, she got out before this happened and oh, republished wow. her books as an indie publisher. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't really, there was no one else to really talk to about it. Uh, I think I remember sending a couple of emails to like the attorney general and stuff be like, Hey, what's going on here? <laughs> That is so fascinating. Do you hope to recapture this content and republish it someday as, I as do. independent? I'm actually, because Amazon won't let me, you know, use that direct story because of the whole fiasco that's still, mm. even today is still sort of in the works. But I did kind of want to use this as an opportunity to revamp the story and maybe rewrite it with, um, you know, new characters, build the world a little bit but i mean because i was 19 i i know what i'm doing a little bit better now so i do plan on rewriting it eventually it's kind of a huge project so someday (laughs) sounds like a massive undertaking and is it a a long book i'm just curious it's was planned to be a six book series so it's a it's massive Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> so you still have a lot of you needless to say you need this book back so that you can continue the story. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that is amazing. I I can't imagine how frustrating that probably was and probably still is. So how did yeah. you like move? I guess maybe you're not moved on. Uh <laughs> how did you continue writing after this fiasco? Um, I don't know. I guess. I I'm honestly I've always been the kind of person to just like let stuff roll off my shoulder and just move on to the next thing I'd rather not dwell on it because yeah. I mean I can't do anything about it other than what I'm currently doing um so I don't know I just felt it was it, in some ways it was kind of a blessing because um I wasn't happy with that publisher anyway and I'd already been considering indie publishing and then I got into it and now I love it so um, I just realized some of our our listeners might not know what the term vanity um, publisher yes. is. Uh, do you want to describe kind of yeah. why they're called vanity publishers, kind of what to watch out for with these publishers? So the number one thing I would say to watch out for with the vanity press is if they are asking you to pay them, mm. you should not be paying someone to get published. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, like, I didn't know that, but now I know better that sometimes, you know, you get the occasional email of some of you like, hey, pay us this much money and we'll publish your book and be like, oh, that's a vanity press. It's a scam, essentially. Okay. Um, and you're not the only one. I When I was first in the publishing business in 2019, I was trying to figure out how to publish this thing before I figured out independent publishing. Mm-hmm. I looked into some vanity presses, not understanding that. That's not a good idea. Uh, I mean, the, the whole point of them is for vanity's sake, hey, you published, you're awesome. Like, look at you. Um, but like you said, you shouldn't ever have to be paying someone um, to publish your book, especially when there are free options. Yeah. <laughs> you can publish your books for free. There's no need to pay anybody. Yeah. Um, so 
if you're listening, something to keep out for. Don't pay to publish your book. Now, I will put, add a little caveat. Uh, the, the the amounts that these fantasy pub family, excuse me, vanity publishers are asking for is in the thousands, right? It's a yes, lot of yes, money. When you publish on something like Ingram Spark, there is right. like a processing fee for like $20, $25. That's that's fine. Yeah. Um, we're talking about like the thousands and thousands of dollars to get not very much. So <laughs> um, just clarifying that. So were you discouraged at all or were you just able to be like, all right, well, that's terrible. Move on. I'm just like going to keep going. I mean, with that, because sadly, that's not my only uh, major rock road. Oh, OK. Experience. That one wasn't so bad. Um, before then, though, uh, I think I was 17. So I had been working on this first draft of this book for like a year. And I was just writing it in a notebook. And uh, my family went on a camping trip. And we were on our way home. And my parents' truck caught fire and exploded with the <laughs> manuscript in there. <laughs> so <laughs> that one was much more um, disappointing because I was like, I just spent like a year and a half writing this book and it's all gone. I had no outline, no, like none of my planning, none of the manuscript is all gone. That is like, what, what the, that's insane. That's the type of story that you see in movies. Like that doesn't happen in real life, but it happened. That's, that's insane. I know my, uh, my husband and I was joking that this book must've just been cursed. Cause it was, you know, just one thing after another of just, uh, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. So did you end up trying to recapture that story or was it just kind of a wash? Uh, I mean, I, I ended up, I think, being to my benefit because I had enough of the story in my head to kind of rewrite it, but obviously not anywhere. Like it was kind of the same basic skeleton of a story, but mm-hmm. very much different on paper once it was written again. So is this something you published then? Yeah, this was this... The, the same one under the Vanity Press. Oh, the same. Oh, my word. So, yeah, that is, that is the cur- most cursed book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. if, if, if any of you are listening and you're this is like one of those things like the um, a book becomes famous when it goes through all sorts of stuff like this. Uh, you can find used copies on, <laughs> on Amazon. So snatch them up if you want to read this apparently cursed book. Um, <laughs> I might end up getting a copy myself. Uh, that's that's crazy. So yeah. how many notebooks was this? Like, was it an almost full manuscript or was it completely done? It, when it was. Burned? It was probably it was a full notebook. So it's not a super long book. So maybe about half of it, I guess, is where I was in the story. Yeah, (laughs) I still can't even imagine. Um, I guess I can imagine a little bit, save for the fire burning piece (laughs) of it. Uh, I'm sure you heard that in the the middle of last month, I ended up losing about 32-ish thousand words. Um, And, you know, at the time, there were some panic moments because obviously (laughs) I'm just trying to recover this. And and in inside, I know it's gone. Like I just know, I know the way systems work. I've lost this. I'm not getting it back. And so I did not sleep well that night because I was just like frustrated that I lost mm-hmm. it all. Uh, but then, yeah, the next day it was just kind of like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Yep. So I guess we'll <laughs> keep just going. keep writing. Uh, but that's a that's a mentality that is like super key, not only in publishing but just in life in general. Yeah. Um, with respect to writing, though, like. Do you feel like 
it has helped you be a better writer if like over time having these losses and learning to cope with it? I think so. Um, I think these experiences really helped me develop like a drive to that. No matter what happened, I was just going to keep writing. Um, Cause I mean, there's always going to be challenges no matter, you know, how long you've been at it. There's always going to be some sort of roadblock um, and I think my early experiences, as extreme as they were, helped me kind of develop a drive to keep going regardless of anything that might happen. I mean, it's kind of not necessarily proving, I guess kind of it is proving it to yourself that like, I'm not going to let this get me down. I could, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to prove to myself that I can complete this and you know, make myself proud in a sense that I was able to finish it despite these challenges. I'm curious to know with this cursed look, were there any other hiccups? Like I feel like there was, there was one more. Oh no! (laughs) So after that point, because I didn't have in high school, I didn't have my own laptop. So I, you know, Mm. kept my story on a flash drive. There was one point where the the flash drive literally snapped in half. Oh, come on. (laughs) Yes. It like, it wasn't even usable anymore. So there was that experience too. And after that, I after no, that I started sending it to my mom. Like every night, I would just email it to her. And be like, just just for a backup, just in case. Save this. That's and it's funny. At the time, there wasn't a lot of options for data restoration. Yeah. I mean, sounds like we're similar in age, and um, that was you know the middle school, high schoolish age for me as yeah. well. And while computers had existed for some time, there was not a lot of like data recovery services for yeah. snapped flash drives. Nowadays, you could probably bring your flash drive to someone and be like, oh yeah, like I can extract that data, no yeah. big deal. Uh, but yeah, at the time, not not so much. <laughs> it was uh, still relatively newish. Um, I, I, like I said, more interested in this book than ever, because I want to know like, (laughs) what's this cursed book about? Um, (laughs) so that being said, I guess in line with your styles, uh, are you more of like a discovery pantser type writer, or do you generally outline your work, especially post this experience? So I actually would love to be a pantser. I I would love to not have to go through all the effort, but I have to plan everything. I have like a skeleton outline. I have character profiles, setting profiles, notes. Um, I put this big, long sheet of butcher paper up on my wall with like a big, long outline. It's extensive. (laughs) That is amazing. So you didn't do this with your first book, though, it sounds like. No, I didn't. This is a kind of a process I discovered by experimentation over time. Okay. Okay. So not necessarily as a direct result of losses and realizing I I can't recover. this. I will say I've definitely started backing. uh, Like I usually have Uh, like three or four copies of each manuscript just in case. (laughs) Probably really wise. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I've learned not that I don't back up my work. Coincidentally, the stuff that I lost was not back upable. It's not even a word, but we're going with it. Um, so, but yes, being extra cautious with stuff like yes. this will never hurt. Um, so with your other books, I mean, so you've written four now, but yes. you've written more than four. You've just published yes. four plus yes. some short <laughs> stories. Um so have you experienced any other challenges, significant or minor, with your writing? I mean, I feel like they're just constantly coming up, at least for yeah. me as an author. You know, I think since then, the biggest one has probably just been like 
like imposter syndrome, just feeling mm. like a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a professional. Um, and I, I mean, that's, I don't see that going away anytime soon. I think that's something that you just deal with consistently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't anticipate that going away, but it's so fascinating how it just always comes back to, to bite you, mm-hmm. no matter how confident you might feel in what you've written. It, it always comes back and like, Oh, that was, that was awful. Um, <laughs> but like, what are some of your, I guess, coping mechanisms or how do you distract yourself from those frustrations and challenges to keep writing? Um, I mean, at least it obviously depends on what exactly is the roadblock at the moment, but at least True. for like imposter syndrome, I think it's a lot of having a good support group. Um, I mean, the other day I was, editing and that's always when my imposter syndrome is at its worst is when I'm like fine tuning the book (laughs) and uh, I texted my husband and I was like I need encouragement I feel like this is trash (laughs) so he's he texted me back and he's like remember this and this and this and I was like okay yeah you're right you're right okay I can do this (laughs) that's awesome does your husband read your books is he He he's a fan of that genre he is. He's uh, like the biggest Star Wars nerd okay. in the world. So, but um, he's a much slower reader than I am. So he he's behind, but he does read all of my books. <laughs> okay, no, that's great. I mean, whether or not spouses or partners are interested in reading books, it, it's nice when they yes. do. I mean, my my spouse does not love reading fantasy and sci fi, but she does read my books. Um, so she recognizes that and she's like, I will give you my feedback knowing that this isn't my genre, <laughs> but I'll give you it and then I'll take it with a grain of salt, but it's helpful to have that support. Yeah. Um, and it's great that you can be, you can be open about that. Like I feel imposter syndrome. I'm not feeling confident about any of this. Talking to someone can actually help. Yes which is great. Um, I admittedly, um, so John, I don't know if you know, John Monson, yes. um, we, we were together at the, the get together not too long ago. Um, but yeah, it, it's nice to have author friends or contacts like that to be like, Hey, like bouncing ideas off of each mm-hmm. other. Uh, John and I will like encourage each other to keep writing and whatnot. Uh, and it's great to have those people. Like my spouse is encouraging. Most of the time she's like, if I say, oh, I didn't do any writing today. She's like, that's fine. Like, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, well, no, that's not really the answer I need. Right. I need yeah. to, nah, you should really sit down and write. And so she's like, sorry, it's not that I don't care about your author business. It's just I think you're too hard on yourself. So it's great to have that encouragement to be like, you're doing great. Keep writing. Did you write today? Those types of things. And as long as you have someone who understands, whether it be a spouse or an author, um, that's another way to encourage you through those moments. I imagine your 19 year old self probably had no contacts. No, I mean, publishing. No, Um, none of my siblings like to read. Uh, even oh, like course. to read like hard. I mean, they do a little bit more now, but at the time, yeah, not at all. Um, my mom reads all of my books, but she does not like sci-fi and fantasy. Like, okay. At, like at all. <laughs> so, and yeah, I didn't really know anyone else. I mean, I guess English teachers, like, you know, cause I was in high school, that was like the extent of anyone that liked writing at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you run any stuff by your teachers in, in high school? I did actually my sophomore year of high school, they had a creative writing class in place of like the regular 10th grade English. Nice. And so we like, we would bounce ideas off of our teacher, like 
in like every Friday. So I did at least have her that I could, you know, talk to about it. That's amazing. We did not have that. We, I don't remember having that offer in high school. If we did, I didn't do it, which I should have <laughs> because I don't like English classes. <laughs> so yeah, we, we won't get into any of that. <laughs> uh, but I'm curious to know, like having been through all of these things, um, what are some of the major learnings that came from these challenges? Um, I think the biggest thing was just to like be able to know that I could push through some of these hard things, you know, continue by pushing through the hard things. I realized, okay. I mean, you know, like now I'm like, yeah, I lost a book to a fire once I can, it, it doesn't matter. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle anything they throw at me now. But I mean, I just, I think having the hard experiences has taught me to be able to keep going forward. And I think it kind of teaches you um, to be able to um, just continue regardless of what's going on and what might come. That is an interesting point, looking to the future and not worrying about the the challenges that will undoubtedly come, whether yeah. major or small. Uh, writing and publishing is just, it's such a massive endeavor and there's so many points of failure, so to speak. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just, right. it's a really challenging business. And so, yeah, recognizing like, ah, I lost the book in a fire. Even <laughs> if it is worse, it's fine. I can just keep going. Yeah. Um, you just having that resolve really makes a massive difference. So it, in line with that, do you have any advice for authors who might be too afraid to get started or, you know, maybe they're running into challenges and thinking, is this worth it? Do you have any words of advice or encouragement for authors that are in this spot? Um, honestly, I think it's just important to remember that it's sort of a leap of faith. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, you don't, you won't know if you're going to be successful until you try. I, I mean, you just, you just, there's no way to know what might come of your, I would never have guessed you know, that I would have written as many books as I have if I hadn't started with the one. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just important to be willing to just try. And I mean, there's, you know, it'll turn out for the best regardless of what happens. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's, that is definitely true, probably in most cases with, yeah. with publishing. Um, but a lot of that is going to come down to attitude as well. And it, it's yeah. clear that you have a very positive attitude about all this. Probably in the time, it, it was hard yeah. to have a good attitude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but given time, you could laugh about the fact that one of your books literally burned in a car fire. Um, yeah. <laughs> still fascinating. That's insane. Um, but like the fact that, like you said, you, you learn for the better. I'm sure this story is just so much better um, after having lost that and rewrote it. I know that's the same with the 32,000 words that I lost. Um, after yeah. getting through the frustration for a couple of days, I was like, well, just could rewrite it. And I actually love what I wrote way better mm -hmm. um, from what I can remember. I mean, I, I don't, I'm a pantser. I don't outline <laughs> anything like at all. Um, I have like minor character sketches, but I just remember it's more clear. It's like, okay, I've, I've already rewritten. I've written this, uh, this people and places are similar events are mostly the same conversations are way different you know various there were fight scenes in there that i just feel like turned out way more clear um so in the end i was like i actually kind of appreciate having to rewrite this yeah of being forced to because otherwise i wouldn't have 
I would have just been like, yeah, edit it, which I don't like editing. Um, <laughs> edit it and, and take it as it is. So in the end, I was grateful for losing those 30,000 words. Yeah. But moral of the story, you're going to run <laughs> into problems. Best thing you can do is just break through them and mm-hmm. keep on going. Exactly. So um, I'm trying to think if I had any other questions. I, I feel like you mentioned something that I wanted to to ask about again. Oh, so with with the stories that you've written, so I understand mm-hmm. you've written some short stories as well. Yes. Correct. Um, Did you find that it was easier to write a shorter story versus longer series or books? Or was it about the same? Uh, I actually, in a sense, think it's actually harder because I, I mean, every idea I've ever had is like this big, huge, long thing that, you know, Mm -hmm. either takes up at least a whole book. So I actually found the short stories would almost be more difficult because I'd have to, okay, tone it down. We just need a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm not even sure I'd be able to do that. I'm kind of in the process of writing a novella right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it being able to rein it in can be challenging because I just want to go into these really long conversations and really elaborate scenes. And I'm just like, oh, I probably shouldn't because then it'll end up being, Sunfire was intended to be a 50,000 word book and it ended up being 98. So <laughs> it, prime example of, I need to figure out how to write shorter things. But it's interesting that that it was more challenging. Did you outline the full story before you wrote it? Yeah, I, I mean, yes. Literally everything I write is outlined. outlined. So yes, I did. But it, I mean, if you outline it, isn't it practically written because it's so short? I mean, I, I don't know what uh, it looks like. I mean, maybe, th- I guess it depends on how you outline. For me, it's I, it's basically just like a list of, okay, first this happens and then okay. this happens. So it's not, it's not that detailed that it really could be, you know, done like that, but. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the concept is still fascinating to me because I, I don't, <laughs> I don't plan pretty much anything. Um, well, excellent. Uh, we're, we're almost out of time. I would love to ask the authors, where can uh, readers and listeners find you and your books? So all of my books, uh, including, you know, the two used copies of Segolia, uh, all of my books are on Amazon. Um, yeah. And then you can find me on, I'm mostly on TikTok. I do have an Instagram and a Facebook page too, though. If you're like me, the Instagram and Facebook have kind of grown dormant. Yes, they have. (laughs) TikTok seems to be the place to be these days Um, for better or worse. We won't get into that, but that's excellent. Do you have a website or anything that that people can go to, to to visit, to learn more about you? Yes, I do. It's uh, brittanyoldroidbooks.weebly.com. So... (laughs) Awesome. I will put all of this information in the show notes for all of you that are listening so you can easily find it. Um, And I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, And yeah, thanks again. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah. Have a great night. You too. Thanks. Bye.
All right, I hope you found that as helpful and interesting as I did. I mean, I cannot imagine losing a book in a fire, a car fire. I mean, I lost a significant amount of words, although, you know, 30,000 words of 189 is not massive. Um, losing a massive manuscript, especially handwritten like that, I cannot even imagine. But that's the thing about authoring is you, you're going to run into challenges and just looking at it from a long-term perspective and recognizing that, you know, stuff happens, best thing you can do is pick yourself up and move on, uh, is a lesson that is hard learned, but uh, will will lend you so much aid as you continue, not only through authoring, but just through life in general. But uh, I appreciate you joining me today. I'm looking forward to being here again with you next week. And as usual, if you have any questions for me, you can contact me at authordkenner at gmail.com or dankenner.com slash podcast. You'll be able to submit a form there. You can even see the show notes. I'll add some of the show notes to, uh, to that site for this specific interview. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next week.